Good morning, church, both church in the house and church virtually. We're glad to have you wherever you are, whether sitting at home or whether sitting with us here. It's good to see your faces, and let's share this time together. I want to invite Peter up, and Peter's going to share. You may be, you're probably not going to be surprised by what Peter's going to share, but I wanted him to share it when he had a chance to be here in person. And so, Peter, I'm just going to give you the chance to, to share. Sure, yeah, I am transitioning a little bit and have been since January 1st. Um, what's happening is I'm splitting my time between Brunswick and the White Memorial Church in Portland now, and this is for uh, a reason. Uh, before January 1st, I was not full-time. Now, Praise God, I am full-time as a full-time pastor, so I'll be splitting my time between uh, here and White Memorial. So that's, that's the first uh, transition. So you'll see me on second and fourth Sabbaths here at Brunswick, and then first and third Sabbaths, I'll be at, at the Portland Church. Uh, the second transition is uh, a little bit uh, in the distance, not too far, but at the, uh, the beginning, mid of August, I'll be moving to Michigan, and that is to pursue a master's in the seminary there. Um, so that's another praise for my life. Uh, it's, a, it's a bittersweet praise because I'll be leaving a, a community I'm just beginning to, uh, to bond with and to get to know everyone. So I, I will miss you, uh, but I'm not leaving yet. So there's a lot of opportunities to, to spend time together, invite me over for a meal, uh, play some board games together, invite me over for a meal, and invite me over for a meal. Nice. And you can take that with you. I would also like to mention that Peter is, has quite a network of individuals in the local community that he's looking to build relationships with. So if Peter reaches out to you, then uh, take his invitation up because he may be working to connect you with someone he knows locally who could use a friend and some, some increased connections. So thank you, Peter. We love having Peter here with us, and we look forward to the next few months together and are grateful that God is continuing to lead and work things out in your life. And Patty is going to share something, and I've been uh, harping on the 90 days Bible reading for the last, uh, well, since last year, and Patty shared something this morning, and I, I asked Patty, I said, hey, can you share that with us today? So... My mom lived with us the last 12 years of her life, and she read through her Bible every year. And we had this little grate in our living room where we, I could look down and I could see her sitting on her couch, reading her four or five chapters a day to make sure she got through the Bible in a year. And last year my sister says, let's read through the Bible this year. I said, okay, what plan do you want to use? She chose the worst plan a few chapters in the Old Testament, a few chapters in the New Testament, and a couple Psalms. And I made it through the Bible at the end of November, but I don't like that plan. So when the pastor told us we were gonna read through the Bible in 90 days, I thought three months to read the whole Bible through? And I tell you what, it has made me excited about the Bible that I have never been before. We're reading it so fast, you get the big picture, you realize the Old Testament isn't just this old patriarchal system where it was male-dominated. You see the women in the Old Testament, and it is just the most amazing thing I have experienced. 
Jill Johnson has been putting her amaryllis on Facebook for a month. Started out, you can see this red tip at the end, and then it got a little bit bigger and bigger, and now this week it was full, fully opened. And this was the week that we read, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And I thought, that act of creation is symbolic of the creation that he wants to do in us, to create within us a clean heart. And then Shannon Johnson, may I tell one more thing? Shannon Johnson came in this morning and she said, how are you? And I said, I am so blessed. And she said, that reminds me, she said, a few months ago I did this study on the word blessed that's in the Hebrew And she's going to send this to me, but I'm going to try to tell you what she told me. She said, the word Barak, oh, Pastor will know this, has these three little pictures that um, show it. The first is of a person with their palm going like this. And then, I'm going to do it again because Tammy missed it. I didn't want her to miss it. And the second picture is a stick figure with a head on top, and that's the ruler. And then there's a tent. And what that word blessed means, she said in her study, is Jesus is inviting us, come into my tent with me where all the resources you will ever need are. And I just feel so blessed. I I love reading the Bible this way. It has, the words are more alive, the people are more alive. I can see God in the interplay and working through, and, and I have the assurance that he's still working in all of our lives and in governments and kingdoms today. And I just thank you for having us do this challenge. It's just amazing. And you can start now and start where we This week we get in the middle. This week is yep. the 45-day. We will have read halfway through the Bible Crazy. in January and February. That just blows my mind. But anyway, you can start now. We have this excellent Zoom discussion group on Friday nights. And we also can write our thoughts during the week on this thing called Discord. I think it's a chat room or something, but I'm not very technical. But you could start now, and then when we finish Revelation, you could go back and do Genesis through Psalms. It's, It's an amazing, amazing program. Thank you, Patty. Yes, it's been an incredible experience, and uh, especially with other people. If you want to, I've mentioned the podcast, but I am working on creating a podcast. The podcast is a terrible substitute for reading the text yourself, but if taking on the whole project of reading the text is a little too daunting, the podcast is a is some kind of intermediary place between reading it yourself and doing nothing. Um, the podcast, in the podcast, I recommend a handful of chapters that are, that are kind of standout chapters. So if you listen to the podcast, they're between six and there's a few longer ones, but most of them are between six and 15 minutes. And then if you go back to the text and then just read or listen to the recommended chapters, you'll get a basic flavor of the scripture. Again, not a substitute for reading the text, but it's better than nothing. I guess that's, that's what I'm saying. So it's available on Apple Podcasts, 
uh, and several other podcast platforms. So just encouraging you, get in the text. And um, it's amazing. I don't need to say more. Patty did the great sharing this morning. Thank you. Today's teaching is called Infusion. And I wonder what you think of when I say the word infusion. What do you think of when I say the word infusion? Oh, okay. You, what did you say? A tea. I'll come to yours in a minute. A tea. Okay, so when you have a tea, the tea leaves are picked. Of course, you can have a tea that's not with tea leaves, right? Sometimes there's orange rind and uh, other herbs. I think um, hibiscus is one of those. I don't know if that's an herb, but hibiscus, I think, is in and echinacea is in there. So a collection uh, of dried materials, either if you do like a, what you put in a tea strainer, if you're like really, really basic, or you get the prepackaged um, little tea bags, you put that in hot water, and then what, what do you do? What's it called? You steep the tea, because you really don't want any of that stuff, right? You don't want the ground-up leaves or the orange peel. You just want the essence, right? You want that essence to infuse that hot water with those rich flavors. That's a tea, and then you mentioned infusion in the medical setting. So uh, infusions can be what? Uh, what do you get through an infusion? It's an IV, right? And then you can get all kinds of stuff in your bloodstream. Chemo. Chemo. Yes. So in other words, some kind of outside substance being infused. There, vitamin D. I think you can get iron and stuff like that as an infusion. So that's in the medical setting. Of course, the medical people all know about infusions more than I do. But that's the infusion part, something outside coming in to help and strengthen the body. Well, any other in things come to mind you think of infusion? Tea's been mentioned. You ever seen the, the, the water cooler, clear water cooler, ice floating on the top, and then sometimes orange slices, apple slices, mint leaves, other fruits, berries sometimes in there. And again, almost a cold tea, but the idea of infusing that, that cold water with the essence of the fruit combination. What about a curry? Or other kind of, maybe you make a stew, a lot of those things, or in the Italian tradition, a minestrone. There is a lot of those take a long cooking process. Sometimes there's a bone that's put in, boiled in the water and then taken out. Again, dispersing this flavor into the liquid that you don't actually eat the bone or anything like that, but you eat, of course, not all of us are going to eat necessarily that, that stew that way, but in other words, the, the flavors go in. I think curry, to really make a good curry, it's hours of just slow cooking to let those flavors infuse. And, and the layers, the complexity of that flavor comes as one herb and spice, etc. are put into that mixture and it fills that pot, infuses that pot with those rich flavors. When we look at the biblical story, infusion is a great picture of how God interacts with human beings, how he works his plan of redemption in part, 
It's also an incredible model for the way God intends for us to be. So we're going to reflect on that. Before we do that, I'm going to take you to the end of the sermon or close to it. And I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to think about these questions. They will be perhaps a little mystifying now, but I want them to be in the back of your head so that when we get to the end, we'll have some conversation about it. What does it not look like? Thinking about being a a Christian who is infusing the world with, with the goodness of God. What does it not look like? The second question, what does it look like? to infuse the world around us with God's goodness. And then, number three, and I'm adjusting this question a little bit because I I think this isn't the best question, but which ways are we doing well at infusing the world with God's goodness and which ways are we not doing so well? And then, number four, the final question. uh, No, what was that? Oh, sorry. The final question, this one. What would be our next step toward being more effective infusers? I want us to think about that this morning because kind of the the emphasis in this spring set of teachings is on missional living. That simply means living life on the mission of Jesus wherever we are. And this is a central concept in Scripture being infusers. So now to the biblical text as you keep those questions in mind. And our first text is back in Exodus chapter 25. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may, what's the word? Where does God want to be? That's right, among. So this concept again comes up over and over scripture in scripture about God being among us. And that's the essential concept to infusion this morning. This one, Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. This incredible concept. God who is high and above and um, truly inaccessible to humans has come to be with us. And we're going to see that concept continue to develop. Here is this passage, Mark 3. Then he, Jesus, appointed 12, 12 disciples. But for a specific purpose. And what's the purpose in the text? To be with him. So here we start all the way back in Exodus. Make me a tabernacle. Make make me a tent so I can dwell with them. And then we come after a couple of passages, we get to this one where Jesus calls 12 disciples with the specific purpose of being with him. Jesus, in a sense, is creating that, almost like a T. He is putting the disciples in a concentrated or a close circle to himself and so that his life can infuse their lives with the truth of God's goodness. And then this one, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is sending out the disciples and he gives them some instructions. Here's the first. Uh, Verse 9, on that, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor beg for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. So he's sending his disciples out with this instruction, don't provide for yourselves, let the people provide for you. 
And then this important word of counsel. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is what? Worthy. And do what? Stay there. So interesting. Jesus didn't say, go find a local lodge and get yourself a hotel room. Jesus said, find someone in town who's worthy. A, a, a person who has a good reputation in town, probably. A person who's willing to open their home to you. And then you're to stay there. Yes, you'll do mission work during the day. You'll be teaching in the marketplace, healing people. Yes. But Jesus specifically wanted his disciples to locate themselves in a common point of, of a, a common lodging with another family because he wanted them to do what he had done. He had called the twelve to be with him so they could be exposed to his way of life, his way of loving. And then when they went out, he gives them the instruction to do the same thing, to locate themselves with a family and then again to be infusing that place, that family with the love of God. The love of God. What do you think? Does it show up in the text? It does. Now John, this is 1 John Chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our eyes have handled concerning the word of life. So let me ask you a question. What do you see as the descriptors that John uses in his interactions with Jesus? Right, so they hear him, they see him, and they handled him. Very much engaged. John depicting here the intimacy of contact between the disciples and Jesus. That's where the infusing was taking place, is as the disciples engaged with Jesus being close to him, so close he was touchable, so close they heard his actual words from him, not at a distance, but in close proximity. And then he continues, the life was manifested or revealed and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was the Father and was manifested, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Notice, Mark said that Jesus called the twelve to be with him. John describes that experience of infusion where they were hearing, seeing, and touching. This close proximity. And then notice the impact of that. They had that close encounter and then they began to bear witness to Jesus out of that close encounter. So it's infusion with Jesus, and then they begin to also be infusers into the place they are, into the lives of others, 
so that others can experience what they experienced in that close proximity to Jesus. The text continues, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The critical piece to note here is that knowing God and going on the mission of God were the result of that close proximity of relationship. It wasn't Jesus going out and doing seminars. You know, I'm going to do a seminar in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. Or I'm going to do a seminar down near the Pool of Bethesda, 9 to 5. No, it was the 24 hours, 7 days a week, fellowship with Jesus. It was the being with Him that was so powerfully transformative. And it was out of that withness that the disciples with others invited others into that close proximity to God. And that's the whole point this morning that I want us to think about is this ministry model of Jesus being with, of us being with, of God being with as infusers of the goodness of God into the place we are. That ministry in the model God uses doesn't take place as from a distance. Ministry in the God model is something that takes place skin to skin, eye to eye, ear to ear. Obviously, COVID has kind of messed up, complicated that model, but it still works in a, in a kind of an adapted way. That's the way the heart of mission, the heart of ministry as God does it, is that person to person infusion model. Paul picked up on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 gives us Paul's take. And notice, Paul says, Though I'm free from all men, verse 12, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Though I'm free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. I want you to notice the deliberateness with which Paul entered into this position of servant. I mean, he's literally saying, I'm a free man. I can do whatever I want, go wherever I want, be whoever I want. But I've made myself a slave of others so that I might win more. Now, if Paul's a slave of others, then whose schedule has priority in Paul's life? Other people's schedule. If Paul is has made himself a servant to others, whose needs does Paul consider first? Now that's a little painful. I'll be honest with you, I've been processing and thinking about this over the last few months, about the challenge that infusing and infusion and ministry is when it comes to face-to-face, person-to-person, skin-to-skin. Okay, so then Paul gives us some examples. The first one is, and to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. 
to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. So here is Paul adapting himself to others so that they can be infused with the goodness of God that he has been infused with. And notice he continues, verse 21, to those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. This is an interesting point. Paul associated with people, you you might say an example of this would be um, you're at a party and the, the, the beer comes out. Now, you're not a beer drinker, I'm not a beer drinker. But Paul could be at the party, could be there in fellowship in that circle, but he still honored God and was still maintained his moral integrity or his convictions. That's what Paul's saying here. He adapted his lifestyle, while at the same time he also honored his convictions. And so this is, this is an important reminder that um, the adaptability Paul is talking about is not a compromise of conviction, but it is being willing to be in uncomfortable places to make yourself as accessible as possible so that you can infuse the people around you with the goodness of God. Here we go, one more passage. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And now... The final words on this, verse 23, now this I do for what? Why does he do it? The gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. So clearly, as we saw very early today, the gospel mandates a kind of way of being with people. It's the God model. Let them build me a sanctuary so I can dwell with them. Emmanuel, God with us. The disciples called to be with him. And then Jesus sending out the twelve and saying, listen, find a family and be with them. And then Paul here, for the sake of the gospel, committing to be with people to the farthest extent possible while still being true to his convictions and still true to God. We are to be the tangible embodiment of God's real love for real people in that close proximity. Notice this in Romans. I am a what? A debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, Here's the part I want you to see, that second sentence. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul is deliberate in being close to, accessible to, present with those around him, specifically mentioning here the Greeks and barbarians, so that he can infuse those spaces 
with the truth of the gospel. What do you think about that? I see you nodding, reflecting, thinking. I want you to reflect for just a minute. Um, Value number two of our values is people. And I want you to notice how much the people value reflects this idea of infusion. People matter to us. There you pick up on that deliberateness that Paul had. So as much as in me is, and he expressed his commitment to mission. People matter to us. We love them freely. We invest in each other through mentoring. We actively work to do life together. That language is intended to deliberately reflect this idea of proximity, close proximity with people. And it continues. We commit, there's intentionality again, to a journey of God-led self-awareness, recognizing our weaknesses and need for growth so that we can grow as individuals, have healthy families, and help others. So there's some Some self-growth there, allowing God to transform us so we are increasingly effective, transformative infusers. And then one, this is the the final part of that value, following the example of Jesus. We read a piece of that this morning. Paul read that this morning. And others, we venture outside our comfort zones. That's an important one to highlight. The implications of being an infuser is that discomfort is essential to the life of a diffuser. Taking risks by all possible means to be transformative agents to the people around us. That language is is lifted with some adaptation from Paul's language that we saw in in, Paul. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, I think it was. That's our value. That's what we think of when we think of people and being present for people as the Brunswick Seventh-day Adventist Church. There's another interesting... um, Actually, I'm going to just switch now because I have some questions. I told you there were those questions and I want you to join me in reflecting And I know that for those of you watching, you're not going to be able to hear the audience responses, but I will mirror them and so you don't miss anything. I wonder if you would tell, just help me with figuring out what does it not look like to be an infuser? In other words, what is the opposite of what Paul did? That's what the first question is. Okay, isolation would be the opposite of what Paul did, okay? So isolation is one. Very good. Anyone else? What other? Self-absorbed. Thinking about my schedule, my needs first. Very good. Excellent. I'm just going to say the Susas are very participatory and Peter's very participatory. The rest of you are sort of marginal this morning. So I want to hear some more answers. What do you think? It, look, it does not look like to be an infuser. What's the opposite of the biblical model? Any other words? Oh, and Brad, I should say Brad has, has, has been part of Engage this morning. What are some of the rest of you that have been a little reluctant? What are other nots to add to the list? 
Okay, so not judging people. Okay, good. So it would be judgmental would be the opposite. Okay, so judgmental is one of them. Okay, inavailability. I don't know if that's a word, but unavailable. Thank you, unavailable. Inaccessible, unavailable. This is excellent. Any other words? Very good words. Impatient. Yeah. Now, now, when I said I've been thinking about this and feeling the discomfort, now you kind of maybe understand why I've been feeling discomfort. Because these, are, these words, the not words, have implications because the implication is if the opposite is the way Paul and the gospel and God does things, that starts to get a little touchy. That starts to walk into my life in ways that are not convenient. And so I would throw in there convenience is an opposite of the biblical model. Any other words that you might throw out there? Okay, so comfortable would be the opposite. Okay, good. Anyone else? What was that? A little bit louder. Overpowering. So dominant. Dominating the... And overpowering. Yeah, good. Okay, so is that arbitrary? Or arrogant? Or overpowering? Good. Exclusive. That's, that's good. I think that word fits well. Yes, exclusive. That's good. So not listening. Very good. Not listening. Excellent. So I have a list. I don't know if you can see it. Um, this is not a list I wrote. It was a list from our, our study this morning, same study this morning at 9 a.m. And you've actually added some. And I should have had somebody up here writing, but I... I I skipped that. I'll read through it so you, you can hear them. But you'll notice there's lots of overlap. There's a couple of them. Listen, not listening is unique and overpowering. I think these are a couple of the ones that didn't come up this morning that are excellent. Self-focus, rule over, a little bit related to overpowering. Isolation, convenient, unavailable, unaware, unwilling, impatient, judgmental, haughty, competitive. So you can see the overlap. You, you're sensing the, the opposites to, or the antonyms to what it means to be an infuser. Now, I want to switch the list. Um, and I want to ask the next question. What does it look like to be an infuser? Now, the little caveat is here. I'm not asking you to repeat sort of the antonyms. So, so I'm not asking you to just go down the list and make opposites. But are there any other areas that you might be thinking of that we haven't already sort of mentioned that would represent, that would, that would be in the model of being an infuser? What does an infuser look like? Again, recognize that we've mentioned several things that have to do with that. In the back. What'd you say? Friendly. You know what? I think that actually came up on the second list as well for us. Interesting. Yes. 
Comforter. Very good. What was that again? Support. Okay. Supportive, yes. Very good. Anything else that you think we need to add that wasn't essentially covered already? Okay, I'll put the two lists up. And um, this, this is the opposite one. And then this is the one that reflects the gospel. Um, there is some overlap too. One of the ones that came up in our, our earlier discussion was pursuer. Someone who's deliberate. You pick that up in Paul's language. There's this deliberateness with which Paul goes about his work. And I think that's worth noting. Because the truth is, being an, being an infuser takes deliberation. How many of you go sit, if you go to a restaurant, how many of you go sit at someone else's table? Now, obviously, that's probably terrible etiquette. But how many of you would even be tempted to go sit at someone else's table? Right? That's extremely... Again, putting etiquette, I, th I think that's probably a little crazy. In, but in other words, if, if you're doing that, it takes this active intentionality. And a lot of that is essential to the infuser way of sharing the gospel is this intentionality because the, the natural, the default position is the comfort position. But as we're looking through things, the comfort position is often stuff that fits on the not list as opposed to the do list, right? Because who wants to really be patient? Somebody's telling you their story and it's a painful story and it's bringing back bad memories for you. It's taking time that you really had planned for something else. Convenience, is the, it's the natural go-to. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for convenience, but mission doesn't really go forward if convenience is our model of living. Um, isolation. You know, isolation, sometimes isolation is natural for some of us, and for others of us, isolation is not natural. So for some of us, there's a natural diffuser. We're kind of natural infusers in, in some ways because we like to be with people. But sometimes we're still isolated because we're always with the people with whom we're comfortable. And then that starts to be a different kind of isolation. Another one mentioned adaptability, and that may have come up this morning with you guys too. Compassionate, empathetic, tolerant. Again, some of this was overlap um, with the not list. And what do you think about that? Where do you think, and uh, the next question is this, as an individual or as a church body, where do you see us fitting into the, the, the do list, the positive infuser model? And where do you see us being less effective at being infusers? You see what I'm saying? I, I think, because I asked this as a black and white question, and it occurred to me in today's, the nine o'clock conversation, that's actually not a black and white conversation, that there are things that we, we are doing well as individuals and collectively, and there are things that we're not doing so well. So where do you think that those two lie? Where would you say, and you can pick either side, which things do you think we're doing well and which things do you think we might need to lean into a little bit more? Okay, so I'll, for those of you listening, um, I will try to recap. So we do...
tend to be kind, compassionate, friendly. Right? That was kind of what Rob said. Um, but there's also a sense in which we are self-isolating. We are different. There's, there's differences and, and friction between our way of living and, and the convictions we hold in society. And so we tend to be isolating and, and often kind of pull into our own circle. Am I saying more than you said? And then the other one you mentioned, refresh my mind again. Well, I, I just said that we're, we sometimes can be judgmental. And judgmental, okay. Okay, good. Excellent. Anyone else? Where do you see us aligning with the infuser versus the not infuser? So when maybe maybe unavailable might be but the causes, you know, unavailable could be lots of things, but busyness could be one of those. Yeah, okay. I struggle with that, to be honest with you. It's funny how you can do something called ministry and struggle with availability. <laughs> yes, that's right. And that's why I realized this morning that it's not fair to do an either or question here. Because really, it is a mix. And, and I love that observation that we are, we are doing, I think this is great, because um, one of them was we're intentional. That's what you're saying, Jill, right? That there is a growing intentionality with us to, to lean into being better diffusers. Infusers, that's actually the word, infusers. Very good. I like that. Anyone else this morning? Yes. Yeah, you put a whole picture together. And I like the, the, the big idea that, that you mentioned was being intentional. That intentional about being present with other people. Putting ourselves into circumstances. Taking risks to build relationships. And, I, and that's an important word because it's not necessarily convenient. Have you ever been in a conversation where somebody asks, where you're afraid of a question that might come up? some of us, it could be a simple question of um, if someone invites you to a meal, someone you've never met before. Okay, maybe the meal's okay, but what about your dietary? How do you have that conversation? Someone who's really friendly, a neighbor who says, hey, come over and have a glass, you know, of wine or, or come over and again, what do we do with our personal convictions on that? With is, is How does sometimes that's, a, that's, what do we do with those difficult for us, could be difficult questions. And there's certainly other questions, political questions, vaccine questions, mask questions. Right? It's inconvenient. How do we inhabit that space with other people when there's clearly an increased risk of a conversation or even a place that 
pushes us into and outside of our comfort zone. Paul, right? He said, I'm committed to this because I want to win more. So I'm going to pursue inconvenience on account of others. Or pursue others in spite of the inconvenience might be a better way to put it. The illustrations I've used this morning may not be applicable to you, but certainly part of that, just recognizing that there is inherent risk of inconvenience and it's all over the map. Someone says, hey, would you like to come do this? And whatever it is may be perfectly fine, but it may be something that you have no interest in. How do you have that conversation? Do you go and participate with full joy and even though it's work to participate? So the last question this morning that I want to leave with us and I want to process a little bit is this one. What would be our next step or steps toward being better infusers? We've talked about a lot. Great thoughts this morning. What would be our next step toward being better infusers? Oh, excellent. Yes. So, and that actually was mentioned this morning. Build relationships. So, intentional relationship building. That neighbor you only see periodically, find a way to connect. Um, Talk to one of our neighbors who's going to help. We're working to finish up the refresh in the children's Sabbath school area. And he is a cabinet maker by, by trade and by... And because he loves it, and we just had a conversation on Thursday, and then yesterday he came by the house and said, hey, I'm happy to help you with that project. I'll even donate my time. So we're going to work together on, because um, what we're doing is building a, a little play village downstairs in the Sabbath school common area for the kids that will be reminiscent of a kind of an, old, uh, an old-timey, maybe New Testament, Old Testament kind of marketplace with a temple um, so he's going to help find the material, make a materials list. He's going to help cut out the pieces. We'll have to do some work too. I'll be helping him. But that's a way to connect more with my neighbor. So connect. I think of neighbors that I haven't seen. You know, I wave to them but need to have another conversation. Yes. Anyone else? Any other? Maybe one, anyone think of one more area where, where you think we could take a next step toward being more effective infusers. Rob. Okay. Participate in the outreach. So that's an intentional step that may push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. It's going to be a little more comfortable because you'll be at least with people, some of the people you'll know. So, good. Peter. Okay. So, so maybe there's one that's more your style, something we could bring on in-house or something that you could go in the community and be part of. Good. Well, we're going to stop at that. So a couple of next steps. One was being intentional about building relationships, especially with the neighbors. The other one was participating in the outreach Sabbath. And Peter offered even looking for an outreach. Maybe it's, maybe it's not something we offer, but it's something in the community that you might want to be involved in. Those are great next steps. In other words, we want to be infusers, and it takes intentionality, as we see in the text. So great suggestions. Thank you for your conversation. 
Hey, if anybody's of you watching online want to post something in the chat, feel free to do that. We'd welcome your feedback. You see on the screen a reminder of our 40-day assignment, Pray for Three Neighbors. And uh, obviously it doesn't begin tomorrow. I should have checked that slide. It continues today. And uh, you, you would have started that last week. So three neighbors and uh, pray for those. Certainly um, continue praying for those three neighbors. Can be three separate households. Doesn't have to just be three specific people. Could be three households. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for coming to be with us. Thank you for showing us how to be with others. It is inconvenient, intentional work, but God, give us a heart, a heart like you have, a heart like Paul had, a heart like the apostles had, to be intentional about being with the people around us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, visit us online at brunswickadventist.church.com.